Welcome and thanks for joining us. My name is Sam Anwar Sesha, Director of the Museum of Colour and your host for this series, My Words Donations. As part of the My Words exhibition at the Museum of Colour, we have invited a number of poets to donate objects to our digital collection. These are items that have a real significance to them and their creative journeys. This series is a chance to hear the stories behind those donations. And coming up, we'll be talking with Valerie Bloom. My name is Valerie Bloom. I am a writer. I write poems for children and adults, and I also write novels for children and teenagers. I write articles and blogs and picture books and so on. How would you describe your work? Okay, so my poems for children are um, mostly light-hearted, but not altogether. They are serious topics as well, but I try to make sure that they are addressed in a child-friendly manner so that children can understand them. My poems for adults are usually more serious, but even the serious poems, I like to use a bit of (laughs) humour. so that they're not too heavy and very serious things I like to address with irony rather than just declaiming. And then the stories are, as I said, they're usually for children or um, teenagers and the novels so far have been dealing with the Jamaican experience there in Jamaica as well as in the diaspora. And the last novel was a historical novel about the Taino, the first people who lived in the Caribbean, and their meeting with the Europeans and what that did for them. So I want to know about you as a poet. When did you know yourself to be a poet? It was quite a while after I'd been doing poetry that I admitted that I was a poet. I was writing since I could write. So I was making up poems and stories from childhood. And my first poem was published when I was 12. And then another poem won a medal in the National Festival. And I thought, oh, well, this is quite fun. So I started writing some more poems. But all the time, I knew I wanted to be a writer, but I wanted to be a novelist. I never thought I wanted to be a poet. Um, That just crept up. And what happened was, I came over to England and uh, there was a group of Jamaicans, a Jamaican society in Manchester who wanted to sing folk songs, but they had forgotten the words. So they found out I'd just come from Jamaica and asked if I could help them. And so I was teaching them the songs and choreographing them. And soon they were performing all over the country. And as a relief from just the singing, I would do some poems. And people kept saying, where is the book? And I didn't have a book. So (laughs) I, I had these poems I'd been writing in Jamaica and I took them to Bogle Overture Publishers. Jessica Huntley looked at the poems and I said, "Um, I've got these poems, would you like to publish them? And she looked at them and she said yes, to my utter astonishment. (laughs) And so that was the first book. And after that, uh, other people kept asking me to write books because I was performing all over. And so they had seen the performances 
and asked if I would write books for them. And that's how it escalated. And each time another publisher would say, could you write a poetry book for us? And it was only much later after about the fourth or so poetry book that I wrote the first novel. And by that time, then I decided, yeah, maybe I am a poet. (laughs) (laughs) So you admitted it to yourself rather than knowing it. That's quite beautiful. And you mentioned Bogle Overture and just an aside for listeners, the husband of Jessica Huntley, Eric Huntley, is in our first exhibition, People of Letters. So you can see who he is and what he donated. Um, So Valerie, do you have audience in mind when you write or is the poem first and foremost? Well, sometimes it depends. If I am commissioned, obviously, I have an audience. And uh, a lot of my work are commissioned by publishers. And to be honest, the only time I have approached a publisher was the first time when I went to Jessica and said, would you like to publish this? After that, I was approached by Macmillan. And then I was approached no, I was approached by Cambridge, and then I was approached by Maryland, and then I was approached by Bloomsbury, and so, and then I was approached by um, HarperCollins, and so on. So, and when they come to you, they say, "Could you write for this age group?" And so that's what you try to do. But sometimes when I'm writing, I find that actually the poem is writing itself, and it doesn't actually fit into the category I want to put it in. So then I have to change tack. <laughs> and um, that goes as well for the language, because sometimes I'm writing in one language in Jamaican, say, and the poem just refuses to go anywhere. And I change to English and it just flows and vice versa, the same thing. Mostly when I'm writing about things Jamaican, I will write in Jamaican. And uh, then I find that more and more when I'm writing very serious poems or poems to do with very serious emotions and so on. They're mainly English at the moment because I have been thinking in English a lot more than I have been thinking in Jamaican because where I live here in Kent, there are not that many Jamaicans. (laughs) So I don't, uh, on a daily basis, use the language as much as I used to. So when I first started writing, it was all in Jamaican because that's what I was speaking. Now, because I've spent so many years here in, in Kent, it's mostly English because I'm thinking more in English than I used to. So every now and then I have to go back to Jamaica to refuel. Lovely. Let's talk about donations now. Before we get on to exactly what you're donating, what's your relationship with museums? How do you feel about museums and how do you feel about being in one? Oh, well, I'm quite acquainted with museums because a few years ago I was asked by the V&A to write a poem for an article in their exhibition, which I did. And so um, that was the first one. Then I used to perform for the Young Museum of Childhood, which is now the Young V&A. In fact, recently they asked me to write some labels for their new exhibition as well. And as well as that, Seven Stories, which is the Museum of Childhood Literature in, um, up in the north, uh, have acquired my archive. As well as that, my daughter is an archaeologist. And she worked at the um, Natural History Museum, as well as volunteering at the British Museum. So they're always in museums. (laughs) Yeah, so they're very close to my heart. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. Dare I ask if you have a favourite? Ooh, 
<laughs> well, I have to say I am very taken with the seven stories because it is so child-friendly and I write so much for children. So it's a place that is just beautiful and children love being in that space. So when I go there, I have shared my poems with children in there and it's just wonderful. How does it feel to be in a museum? Very honoured, although it sort of shows my age as well. Am I a dinosaur? (laughs) Oh my goodness, you're so not a dinosaur. Um, So, okay, let's get on to your first donation. So tell us what it is and what it means to you and why you want to share it. Okay, so uh, the first object is a book by the Honourable Louise Bennett, who was called Jamaica's First Lady of Comedy. But she was a poet, and the book is called Jamaica Labrish, and it's a very well-thumbed edition because I am digging into it every so often. If I want a bit of inspiration, I go to Louise Bennett, and she was just so accomplished, such an accomplished writer. And Louise Bennett Coverley was the first Jamaican to actually write in Jamaican properly. Mm -hmm. And she did this with a lot of opposition, actually, because at that time when she was writing, people were still under the impression that a Jamaican language was broken English and was not something that you should use in public. And so she reclaimed the language. And uh, one of the things she said was, all the people I knew and loved spoke this language. So how could it be bad language, which is what people were saying. I mean, you could you would go to school and you had to speak English, which was ironic because it was thought that we all knew English. Now, the thing about the Jamaican language is that it's English words mainly and words that come from English. But the grammar, the syntax is, is West African. And so... Because we had the words, people assumed we spoke English, but we weren't speaking English, we were speaking Jamaican. And because I was a reader, English came quite easily to me. But many of my classmates used to be caned because they had such a problem um, doing the English. And one of the things that would go through their brains is that if it sounds awkward, then it must be right. Because English was an awkward language to them. And so I remember sitting beside my friend, my best friend in class, and we had to say, which is right? Is the dinner ready or are the dinner ready? And she just piped up, are the dinner ready? (laughs) It sounds awkward, so it must be right. And of course, she got the strap for that. That's the time we lived in. So Louise Bennett took back what belonged to us. We had actually forged this language out of much oppression and difficulty and it belonged to us and now Jamaicans are proud of their language and I think it's mainly down to what she started and people like uh, Linton and Mutabaruk and other poets like that who came after her had it much easier because she paved the way. She was such an inspiration to me and the first poem that I wrote in the I, I mentioned before that was in the National Festival was exactly like a Louis Bennett poem. And when oh, I wow. first when I first started, all my poems were like Louis Bennett poems. And so that poem, when it was put in the anthology, all the school children were reciting this poem into the festival the next year. 
because it was a new poem and everybody thought it was a Louise Bennett poem. So, and can I just ask a question about Louise Bennett? Did she perform in the UK? She did. In fact, she had a radio program here, a television program, I believe, in, in, in the UK. And so she was known here as well. Then she went to America. Yeah. And I had the privilege of doing an interview with her for a program for BBC. Oh, how wonderful. The reason I asked you is because I have a memory that my father can't confirm for me of seeing her when I was a child. And I think I did, but he can't confirm it. And I was a child, so I don't know where it was. Did it happen? Not just that. She used to perform here. And I remember when I first started, a few years after I started, she came to perform and they asked Linton and myself to perform with her. So I actually shared the stage with Louise then. Okay. So I like the idea that young me might have actually seen you and didn't know. Exactly. This makes me happy. <laughs> Thank you for donating this wonderful book to the Museum of Colour. So let's talk now about your second object. What's your second donation? So my second object is a mango tree. So while I'm here and as I write poems in Jamaican, I want to connect with Jamaica. So I grow a lot of Jamaican plants in my allotment and in my garden and in my conservatory. But the ones that are dearest to my heart are my mango trees. <laughs> and uh, um, this is a little one. But when I first started writing, I had eight brothers and sisters. So there wasn't much privacy to think and daydream. So I would always climb up into a mango tree and sit there where nobody could see me <laughs> and do my daydreaming and writing there. <laughs> oh, we love this. Um, for those of you who cannot see, my jaw just dropped open because I was imagining you climbing the mango tree. Oh, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So, okay, can I just ask you about the mango tree and your relationship to it now with your writing? Do you have it in your writing space? I do, because when I am wanting to write, I go into my conservatory and it's the mango trees there right in front of me <laughs> and <laughs> and also not just the mango tree but there is the sugar cane and the um, cashew and <laughs> the yam is growing up there and <laughs> oh, yam in your conservatory sorry let me get back to the, the item yes okay <laughs> <laughs> and I get inspired by the plants around me and I found out it's actually um scientific that just having greenery around you calms you and brings down your blood pressure <laughs> and so on and you need that calm so that you can think and your brain can work best when you're completely relaxed and um, nowhere more relaxed than when I'm with my tropical plant. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Such a lovely donation. So, okay, we're going to get to your third and final donation, which is your poem. So which poem have you chosen to donate and to read for us? Okay, so this poem is called Granny Is. And I believe that one of the things that shaped my storytelling, desire to share stories and poems, is the fact that my grandmother was a storyteller. And she used to sit around and tell us stories. And not just that, she used to... Um, 
recite poems she had learned at school. And this was, she was quite old now, but she remembered all of them and she used to recite them. And so I grew up hearing all these poems and loving the rhythms and the words. And although I couldn't understand all the words, they were just so magical, <laughs> you like. And so uh, I think that was a big influence in my desire to read and to write. Yeah. So this is a snapshot of my grandmother. In fact, it is a snapshot of my two grandmothers molded into one. <laughs> and um, it's Granny Is. Granny Is, fry dumpling and rundown, coconut drops and grater cake, fresh ground coffee smell in the morning when we wake. Granny Is loading up the donkey, basket full on market day with fresh snapper the fishermen bring back from the bay. Granny Is, clothes washing in the river, scrubbing dirt out on the stone, hauling crayfish and eel from water on her own. Granny is stories in the moonlight, underneath the guango tree, and a spider web of magic all around we. Granny say, only the best for the grandchildren. It don't matter what the price. Don't want no one pointing finger. Granny, nice. And thank you to Valerie Bloom for being part of our exhibition and donating to the Museum of Colour. To view the donations photographed by Sharon Wallace and the portraits by Derek Akembo, head to www.museumofcolour.org.uk where you can explore the rest of the My Words exhibition and discover our growing digital collection. My Words Donations is presented by me, Samanwar Sesha, and is produced by Stella Sabin for the Museum of Colour. Further episodes of this series are available across all podcast platforms, where you can also listen to our previous project, Respect Due. The music you have heard in this series is by the fabulous Randolph Matthews. You can listen to more of his work at www.randolphmatthews.com. My Words is supported by the National Lottery Heritage Fund, Arts Council England and the Foyle Foundation. Museum of Colour is incubated at People's Palace Projects based at Queen Mary University, London. Thank you for listening. <laughs>